Well, welcome back to our series, Change. We've, we've been in a series for eight weeks now on the gospel. It's our gospel series. How many of you have enjoyed this series so far? How many of you say, I learned something? Two of you. Three, four, five, six, six. I guess that's okay odds. Oh, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> I'll take what I can get. Uh, but it's been a great series. We've been talking about how the gospel impacts every area of your life. And we've been talking about how when you gave your life to Jesus, you gave your life to Jesus because you were impacted by the gospel. In other words, something happened that changed you. Something happened that changed the way you thought, the way you processed things. You met the Savior of the universe, and that impacted you. We've been talking about how the gospel is the good news. What's the good news? The good news is that Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sin and your shame. And because he did so, we now have the right to enter into heaven when we receive him as our Lord and Savior. Amen. That's the good news. Don't you think there's more folk in America right now that need to hear the good news? Amen. And so that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about how the gospel impacts uh, your marriage, how the gospel impacts your family and your relationship with your kids, your finances. Uh, We've been talking about... Um, just the different areas that the gospel affects your life and impacts your life. And and here's the thing that one of the, 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 just the running themes in this whole series has been that, that we should never come to a place where we stop growing. Amen. Amen? We should, we were never intended to be finished growing. When you read the Bible, the Bible says that you're being perfected. It never says that you will completely be perfected. It says that you're being perfected. In other words, you're growing. You should be better today than you were yesterday. Amen. Something should continue to change in you no matter what age or stage of life you're in. Right. So so here's here's a good indicator. If you get to a place where your life becomes stale, your Christian life becomes stale. That's an indicator that you need to stir something up. Right. You may need to jump into a life group. You may need to go to a conference. You may need to just grab somebody that you're related to in in, in the spiritual family and say, hey, can you just pray for me? Because honestly, I'm like dry bones. How many of you ever been like dry bones before where you felt like can I just be there's days I go, am I even saved? (laughs) Some of you going, man, you know, pastor, you ask that. Yes. I get dry bones every now and then. Right. But it's my responsibility to stir it up and to come back to the father and to be impacted by the gospel all over again. And it is my responsibility to to allow the gospel to be alive in my life. Right. You hear us say all the time that you're as close to God as you want to be. That applies to every one of us. I'm as close to God as I want to be. If I want to be closer to God, it's up to me. Amen. So today, this is our last installment of the gospel series. Um, and so today we're talking about gospel-centered community. And, and, and some of you may call this, uh, you may know it as the church. You may say, well, I belong to this church or I belong to that church. And in reality, what you're saying is, yeah, I belong to this spiritual family or that spiritual family. You follow me? Church is, is kind of a, a, a weird term today because some people don't know if you're talking about a building or if you're talking about people. Right. You say, well, I go to our Savior's church. Oh, well, that's a nice building. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an OK building. You ought to see the people. <laughs> they really look good. Most of them are bald headed and they look good. 
So, so when people think of the word church, a lot of times they think of a building and not necessarily a family. But there's, there's different terms that we use to describe basically biblical community. And, and you've heard us say like a couple year ago, years ago, the, the big word was spiritual family. You know, this is my spiritual family. I have a spiritual father, Pastor Bubba. He has a spiritual father, Pastor Jacob. That makes Pastor Jacob my spiritual Paul. So when I call him and I need something, I say, hey, Papa. <laughs> and he knows who's calling, right? But we're like family. That's what we are. We're spiritual family. God put us together. And so today we're going to talk about that, about spiritual or, or gospel-centered community. So this is a community of believers, or as most of us call it, the church. When anyone gives his or, li- his or her life to Christ, they become a part of what we call Christ's body. Okay, we, belo- we, we become a part of the body of Christ is what the Bible says. And so the, the body or the church is not a building, a denomination or an institution. It's a living and active organism made up of different members, fully dependent on the head, which is Christ. So if you think in terms of a physical body, when you're thinking about the church or the community, Jesus is the head. OK, and in my circumstance, Jesus would be a big head. OK. So Jesus is the head, and basically we're from the neck down, okay, is what the Bible calls us. So when you gave your life to Jesus, you became a part of this body, okay, a body of believers. And it's made up by different people, right? Isn't it? It's made up by all kinds of different people. So because Christ is no longer on the earth in a visible way, the church is the representation of him to the world so that they can see and understand him does that make sense because jesus isn't walking on the planet today we are jesus to the world you follow me so that they can now see him and understand him so that means that how we do this community this spiritual family however spiritual family goes for us is how the world understands jesus now Okay, now there's lots of different churches and denominations. Some people won't let you uh, wear your hair down. Some people won't let you wear makeup. Some people make you wear long dresses. Um, All those kinds of things. There's all kinds of different folks around that that give off a different image of who Jesus is. Amen. I've been a part of some churches where they give off the image that that you got to follow everything right. And it's all about what you can't do. So there's not a lot of people that want to get into a, a community of believers that's going to tell you what you can't do. How many of you want to join the, the can't do club? You want to sign up for the can't do club? How many of you want to sign up for the can do club? Right? Isn't that freeing? I was raised in the can't do club. I born, bred, and raised in there three times on Sundays. I Trust me, I knew what I could not do. There was no misunderstanding in that department. But however the body is, is however the world sees jesus amen that so so we're the representation of jesus this community that we have this spiritual family that we have right here and can i say this that it flows out of this body into other bodies in this city we're not the only body of christ in Eunice. there's many other parts of the body in this city and throughout the world okay So how we communicate and how we get along with the rest of the body outside of this church says a lot about Jesus, right? Well, I mean, we can be stubborn. I mean, you want to find out how stubborn Christians can be? Try to get them all the different churches together to do one project and see what happens. 
I mean, they're laying down rules and laws and <laughs> doctrines. We're not going. Everybody's got to wear a dress. Every, okay, you follow what I'm saying? So it's the community. It's the body of believers that we're a part of, right? So Jesus' desire for us is to be committed to one another just as he's committed to us. We need to be committed to one another. To do this, you must join with other believers who are committed to bringing glory to Jesus through obedience. Jesus said this. He said, the world will know that you're my followers if you have love for one another. In other words, if you can't get along, mm, something wrong. That's right. If you can't get along, something wrong. We must no longer think in terms of me, but of we. Amen. I mean, when you gave your life to Jesus, you gave up all your rights to me. Does that make sense? You gave up your your selfishness. You gave up your me first attitude. And you said, you know what, Christ, you first. I want to bring you glory. I want to honor you first. I want to take care of the people around me. I want to take care of the we's. Amen. There was an old preacher that once said, uh, he said, a fire will not last long in a single coal, but if many coals are joined together, it will be a long time before the fire dies out. He also said that although a traveler may not find much shelter in a single tree, he will rest in comfort under the branches of a grove of trees. Amen. I barbecued this past week or it was the weekend before. If I would have just put one coal in, I couldn't have cooked much, right? Maybe been lucky enough to warm something up, right? But I had a whole bunch of coals together that had a fire that lasted for a long period of time. That's what the old preacher was saying is that we need to stay together. We need to be together. We need to love one another. So let me lay this foundation for you. Because in Christianity today, there's people, there's probably more people leaving than there is coming in. If you if you did a study, there may be more people leaving Christianity than there is actually coming in. And a lot of times it's because of the storms of life. But the truth is, is that the storm is not too strong for you. The storm's not too strong. The problem is, is your foundation. If your foundation isn't strong enough, then the storm's naturally going to blow you away. That's what the whole parable where he talks about building on the rock or building on the sand, right? So if you have a strong foundation and you know where you belong and who you belong to, then any storm in life can come against you and you're not going to move. Because trust me, we need a foundation as a spiritual family. Because we don't always get along. Right? We don't always like the person sitting next to us. My kids, they love each other, but they don't always like each other. My wife and I, we always love each other and always like each other. Hmm. So let me lay this foundation for you. Second Corinthians chapter five says this. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that he that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. He died for us because we needed him to, right? Because he died for us, when we receive his life, we die to ourselves and we take on this new life that he's given us, which is found in him. 
right? He is your foundation. Your relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship you have on the planet. There wasn't enough amens for that. The the relationship you have with Jesus is the most important relationship you will ever, ever have. If you don't take care of number one, you then can't take care of number two, who is your spouse. Then you can't take care of number three, which is your children if you have them. Amen? You have to take care of your relationship with Jesus. And here's the deal. It is your responsibility to take care of your relationship with Jesus. The Bible says it's my responsibility as the pastor of the church to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Not to have a relationship with Jesus for you. Okay? Because some of you, your spirit man is like the Ethiopian poster child. He's starving. And the only time he gets fed is on Sunday mornings when he comes to church. So when your spirit man gets to church, he goes, ah! It's like he's at a buffet. And you look to me to be the, the relationship that you have with Jesus, and that's not fair. That's not even biblical. You see, Jesus died on the cross for you as well as me. Amen? So I got to work on my own relationship with Jesus. I don't have time to work on yours. Come on, I'll encourage you. I'll pray for you. I'll challenge you. I'll, I'll kick you in the behind if you need it. But you're going to have to get it for yourself. So Jesus is our foundation. He gave his life up for us. So we have some things in common now that we're a part of this body. Let me show you what we have in common. All of us have sinned. Right? Anybody here who hasn't sinned? Okay, if you were, you came to the wrong church. All of us have sinned. All of us have rebelled against God. Everyone in this room is guilty. We've all turned away from God and and followed our own fleshly desires and have sinned. We've all fallen short. That's what the Bible says. Every person in this room. So you know what that means? There's no longer a hierarchy in the church, in this community. Because why? Because we've all sinned. We've got that in common. I've fallen short. All of us are in need of a righteousness that can only be found in Christ. (laughs) How many of you ever tried to be self-righteous? It don't work, does it? It's exhausting. So we're controlled by his love and no longer live for ourselves but for him. So this morning, I want to show you what what a gospel-centered community looks like. I'm going to give you four points on what it looks like and what's involved in this gospel-centered community because I want you to, to clearly understand what you have available to you and then maybe you'll understand or see some things that maybe you've been missing out on because you haven't been involved in the family, in the community. Okay? So, number one, a gospel-centered community looks like people connecting to others. We connect to others. We have to connect to others. First John 1 John 1.7 says, But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. That literally means if you've given your life to Jesus and you're now walking in this life called Christianity, you now have fellowship with other believers. Okay? Doesn't mean that you're using it. It's just now you have it. You have access to it. You have the right to it. But some of us, we we exempt out or we kind of just pass along our rights to be a part of the fellowship or a part of the family. Some of us say, you know what, I I don't need everybody else. It's just me and Jesus. 
Well, bless your heart. Let me know how that goes. And when you need us, we'll be here. But some people have let hurt, things that were said, confusion, lies of the enemy, keep them out of this thing called community. And it's, it's sad because it was God's intention for us to be a part of this community. In fact, he created the community for us to be a part of it. And so the Bible says if you walk in the light like God is in the light, then you're a part of this family. Jesus called 12 men. He gave us an example that we were not supposed to do this alone. So my question for you this morning, I want you to hear this, is who's your 12? Who are the 12 people in your life that actually know you? <laughs> they just don't know. They just don't recognize you. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, they were so-and-so. What's, what's their name? Oh, they come to church with us. Oh, gosh. Anybody ever do that? I didn't expect you to raise your hand. I mean, that's, that's a bit embarrassing. But who are the 12 people in your life that actually know you? Maybe they know where you work. They know your kids' names. Maybe they know what your struggles are. You see, Jesus brought 12 men to him. And he did life with them. Why? So that they could know him. Come on. And so that he could know them. But some of us think that that's a bad thing for people to know the real us. When the truth is, is when you start to learn who people really are. 99% of the time you end up with more respect for them than you did before. One of the things that that embarrasses me sometimes is when I get a certain kind of uh, uh, predetermination of how somebody is. You know, you, you get around people that are opposite of you and you kind of go, oh, God, that's going to be real this morning. Okay, some people aggravate me. You're, you're not here today. Okay. Um, but sometimes I get these preconceived ideas of why they're like they are. But until I get to know them. I don't ever get the chance for them to show me or let me know who they really are. And I'm going to tell you, most of the time I find out who they really are and I go, God, I'm an idiot. I thought they were a jerk, but man, look at what they were raised in. Look at how they came up. Look at what they've been through. Right? But we need to know each other. You need to have 12 folks in your life that know you. So if you don't, you need to make that a goal. To get 12 folks around you that know you. Amen. Romans 12, 4 says this, that just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. There's two things I want you to underline in that verse if you've got your Bible open. The first thing is, we're, is a part ha- that each part has a special function. Underline that special function. Everybody has a special function within the body of Christ. And then at the very end of that verse, it says that we belong to each other. You need to underline that because some of you don't want to belong to anything. When you finish underlining that, I want you to literally look around the room. Just just take a look. Look behind you. Look to your right, to your left. Look at the other folks in here. If you see somebody sleeping, bump them, whatever you need. But look around. Do you see anybody else that looks like you? 
Do you see anybody else that has your skill set or your talent? Or your abilities? No. You could have twins sitting here, and though they might look alike, they still have different abilities and skill sets, right? So we're all different. And you know what? It's supposed to be that way. I used to wish everybody was like me. The world would be a better place for me. But now that I'm getting, I just turned 40, I realize I'm getting sick of myself. I don't like me no more. I don't want to hang out with me. I don't want. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. So it's no accident that we're all different because he created us that way and he put us together. Because in your physical body, there's not many parts that are just alike. Right? I promise you, my feet don't look like my hands. They can't do what my hands do. Amen. I thank God for my feet and I thank God for my hands. And I thank God that they do different things and that they're positioned where they're supposed to be. I'm glad my hands ain't down there. My feet ain't up here because I have to see them ugly things all the time. Right. So let's say you cut your finger off. You cut your finger off and you, you can't reattach it and tie everything back in. So now that nub that was cut off, what is it good for? If you're like my son, you may end up in the freezer. My son, my son, we were digging in the freezer one day and, and I'm digging through the freezer and I pull out this bag and it, I'm, I'm, my wife and I'm like, what is that? I don't know. I've never seen this. And we look and it's, it's a head. It's a turtle head. I promise you he's not psycho, but I mean, he, he, he loves animals. He really does. But he, he was going to mount it. <laughs> so, so we're like, son, don't put nothing in the freezer till we approve it. So my dad pulled a trick on him and my dad mounted him a turtle head on a trophy plaque and gave it to him for his birthday, which is kind of funny. But if you cut your finger off, that piece of the finger is no longer good for your body, right? So it is when we disconnect ourselves from the community of God. You may be still functional. You may still have a relationship with Jesus. But as far as the body's concerned, you're no longer contributing to the body. Right? Now, the good thing about God, and it's called grace, is that he lets you reconnect. Amen? And for some of you, you're very thankful for that today because you've disconnected yourself from time to time and now you're reconnecting and you it's just easy you just come back in we don't make it hard right because there's life in the body i'll say it again there's life in the body the bible says that we belong together we connect together to form his body so so let me show you what this looks like in a practical sense is that my strength is connected to her weakness you with me and her strength is connected to her weakness and her strength is connected to his weakness and somebody else's strength is connected to my weakness you follow me so we, we all come together and that's why we cover each other if i look at my friends closely the ones that i've let god allowed god to bring into my life i realize that their strength is my weakness and there's a reason for that god put them into your life to help you Though they aggravate you, right? Because people that are opposite of us 
typically become like sandpaper. Anybody got some sandpaper in your life? Right? People that just kind of, and you go, but you know what? You're supposed to have people like that. Because the Bible says this in Proverbs 27, 17, that as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. You know how you sharpen something? You got to knock the rough edges off of it. The thing that's aggravating you about the people that God's put in your life is that they're knocking the rough edges off. The ones that you got used to. (laughs) The ones that you like. The ones that you think make you you. Those people are there by God to knock the edges off. And to make you sharp. And you know what happens when you sharpen a blade? There's friction. And then friction comes heat. Right? And some of us don't like the heat. So what do we do? We get out the kitchen. Right? Somebody comes up to you and they they may say, hey, look, you know, I saw you talking to your wife, bro. I mean, man, that was kind of rough, man. I mean, you always talk to her like that or were you just aggravated? Was it just like a moment? A moment thing or I mean some of you are like, man shut up stop judging me leave me alone you just walk away why because you don't want to hear the truth you don't want that rough edge knocked off amen but that happens in community hopefully it happens the right way so when you're connected to community you can you can be sharpened by others and then starting to start to sharpen others which brings us to number two Gospel-centered community grows with others. It connects with others, number one. And number two, it grows with others. Watch this in Ephesians. He makes, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. <laughs> Who makes it fit together? He does. The head, Jesus. He makes it fit together perfectly. Some of you don't like the part you're connected to, but it's there and it's perfect. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Isn't that a good verse? Isn't that a good verse? He's put us together and it's perfect how we are joined together, even if we don't like it. And here's the thing. When you do what he's called you to do, the people around you start to grow. That works in a couple of ways. Number one, if you start focusing on what God's called you to do instead of what God's called someone else to do, then what you do is you create room for somebody else to step up and grow. You ever been in the way before? Some of you are in the way of your kids. You won't let them suffer or fall down or scuff their knee because you, you, you're just trying to protect them too much. And because of that, they don't know how to handle issues in life. Simply put. Right. But if you'll take care of your part in the body, then that allows somebody else to take care of their part in the body. Is this making sense? And so then they grow. Right. Because we all have a special work. The body says the Bible says. We all have a special work. I can't do what Greg does. Greg can't do what I do in the body. We have different abilities in God's body. Amen. But if he'll focus on what he's got to do and let me focus on what I got to do, then together we're going to grow. And what's going to happen to the body? 
it's going to become healthier, right? I mean, if your kidneys and your liver are fighting each other, you're not healthy, right? It's not working. You don't feel good. You can't function properly because the two are fighting one another. But if they both work in harmony together and they do their own parts, what happens? You feel good. (laughs) You feel good. And you're able to do what you were called to do. Amen. So Paul's talking about maturity in this chapter. Uh, He's calling each of us to mature. How many of you remember? I I remember when I was in high school, uh, they started developing this this thing called the gifted program. How many of you, anybody a part of the gifted program in high school? Congratulations, coach. Oh, Becky, Becky, congratulations. My hand was up just to show you how to raise a hand. I was not part of it. Most of you know that already. So, but I, I was probably midways in the high school, and, and I started noticing that all my friends who normally made good grades had other classes. And I was like, man, did you hear about the gifted class? I was like, gifted? And at first I kind of thought that was a good way to say people that were slow. So fear jumped on me. I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to the gifted class. <laughs> Sorry. But come to find out it was, by, it was for people that were smart, right? And so these, these students were now called gifted. So I started asking, well, what does that make me? Ungifted? What, I mean, you're going to give me a coloring book now? And that's all I got to do for the rest of high school is color? Although I'd have been fine with that, <laughs> right? But, but so that's how the school system works. So you, they take the people that are smarter and they separate them and put them in another class. And I mean, it all makes sense to me, but I'm, 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 and I'm kind of picking on them. But it, it puts them in a separate class, which is above everybody else, right? So those that aren't in the gifted class kind of feel less, right? And, and what's sad is that sometimes in church, the spiritually mature put themselves in a class where the, the ones that are trying to mature can't get into. Come on, somebody. Right? So then we, we, we develop this hierarchy in the church that I am so-and-so. And one day you'll be lucky if you catch up with me. But which also develops an attitude that I don't have to grow anymore because I've all of a sudden become mature. And the reality is, is you're the one being fooled. Can I just tell you that in God's body, in the body of Christ, there's no hierarchy? We're all being matured. Nobody has arrived, right? And if you really want to get down to it and be open and honest with each other, if you'll just look back and remember how you were when you first met Jesus, you were immature too, right? And there was a whole lot of people around you that had patience with you. And they put up with you and all your stuff. And they gently and and graciously led you to Christ. And they they helped you to grow and encouraged you along the way. And the whole time you might have thought you were doing it yourself. But if you're honest, you'll look back and you'll say, you know what? I needed a lot of patience. I needed a lot of help. I guarantee you, I ran some people away from Jesus coming up. Because I just had baggage. I had baggage. 
But the truth is, is that we're all at a place where we're maturing. And there's no gifted and ungifted class. We're called to grow and then to help each other grow. Right? That's where you get the we and not the me anymore. It's not about me and my accomplishments. It's about we and God's accomplishments. Amen? So we're called to grow with others. You know, when you, when you had a baby, if you can remember having a baby, and I think of, of little Charlie, he's, he's not in here. He was, he was excited this morning, so I think they put him in the nursery. And, and, and when I look at Charlie, every time, it's like every time I see Charlie, he's almost like doubled the size. Y'all's kids are like that too. I mean, they just, you're like, hey, what, you got him on Miracle Grow? I mean, like 30% protein? I mean, what's going on? But when a baby gets everything that it needs, love, care, attention, nutrients, vitamins, right, water. It gets everything that it needs to function and grow properly. What does it do? It functions and grows properly, right? And it it actually happens at a rapid pace in most cases. Kids, I mean, you look at them, you go, wow. And they're just growing. And a lot of times you parents, you can't see it because they're growing right in front of your eyes. But other people come around and go, man, what you feeding that kid? You ever had somebody tell you that? Them Tyler kids, they grow fast. I mean, they, they were born three weeks early and still grew fast, but lots of extra protein. But so it is with the, with the body of Christ. You follow me? So it is with the church, with this community, that if we'll, we'll all take care of our part, we'll all contribute to the family. Come on, somebody. We'll all look out for one another. We'll all have a little bit of spiritual discernment to see when somebody else may be hurting. We'll all start to pray for one another and care for one another and be concerned about somebody else's growth. And then look at our lives and say, am I doing something that would cause somebody not to grow? You follow me? If we'll all do that, then the body can grow. Amen? It becomes healthy, functionable. It can accomplish things. Am I making sense this morning? So now that you, you, you're growing with others, you can see that the, the needs around you and start meeting them, which brings us to number three, gospel-centered community serves others. It serves others. Romans 12, 13, a very simple verse, but I think it's, 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 it's big. It says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. You know what that means? That means you got to think in advance. That means that you start having an attitude that my finances don't belong to me. My resources don't belong to me. They belong to God. So I need to be a good steward of them so that when somebody around me is in need, I can help meet that need. Come on, somebody. That's the example we get from Acts chapter 4 with the first biblical community. Is when, they, when they were all filled with the Spirit and Peter preached and 3,000 people came to Christ, they, they instantly had this community and they just, because of the, the love and the, and the overflow of Jesus in their hearts, they just started helping one another. The Bible says that they helped one another and they looked out for one another so much that there was nobody lacking That they all had all things in common. 
The Bible actually says that nobody was in need. Isn't that a good example? But it takes you being intentional, looking ahead, being ready. The Bible says, be ready to help those that are in need. Always be eager to practice hospitality. I heard a statement one time that somebody said that that everything you need is in the body. They actually said that everything you need is in the house, which means the church, which means the body, right? Everything that you need is in the, in the house. Think about that. Everything that you need is in the body. It's in the family. So as a pastor, sometimes I hear about people that had a need in the church and nobody met it. And it usually comes like this. Oh, so-and-so. Mm, heard something today, Pastor. So-and-so's upset. I'm like, oh, great. What are they upset about? Well, they had a need and nobody met it. It used to bother me. It used to really get under my skin because I feel like I failed if if that happens. But God put enough people around me to help me realize that most of those people are disconnected from the family. So nobody knew. Nobody knew. So I built a bridge and I got over it. If you don't want to connect yourself to the body of believers and you miss out on something, I'm sorry, but that's your own fault. I'm praying and I'm asking God and I'm seeking him. And I've got spiritual discernment and I'm trying to see into your lives. I pray for you. But sometimes some of you aren't connected enough to be in the blood flow of the family. And so you end up lacking. And it's really your own fault. Because you've disconnected yourself from the body. You no longer have source. You're no longer connected to the source. Amen? But we're called to serve others. But it's kind of hard to serve somebody that's disconnected. Can I just be honest with you this morning? This may hurt a little bit. But I just want to say this to you. I feel like this is on my heart. Some of you are faithful to come to church on Sunday. You're great at that. And I applaud you for that because that means a lot to me. That you come to church on Sunday. But a lot of times you come in the side door, you come down the narrow hall, and you slip into your seat. And then as soon as service is over with, you slip out the narrow hall, jump in your car, and you leave. And you never connect to anybody. Not just me, but anybody. We've we've got people in this church like that. And I'm glad that you come to church. But I'm sad that you're not connected to the family. You need to be connected to the family. God put you here for a reason. You need to be connected for your own needs and you need to be connected for the needs of other people. It's kind of hard to plow a field with one arm. Right? Kind of hard to run a race with one foot. So we're called to serve one another. We're called to be interactive with one another. We're called to have spiritual discernment for one another. We need to be praying for one another. We need to be hearing from God how so-and-so is doing. 
Spirit, have you, how many of you heard the word spiritual discernment? Spiritual discernment is when you get a little check in your spirit or when you're praying for somebody and, and the Holy Spirit brings somebody up into your mind or in your spirit. And you kind of go, man, how, why, why am I even thinking about so-and-so? I'm trying to spend time with you. I'm thinking about so-and-so. But there's a reason for that, okay? God is putting that person on your heart. He's putting them in your radar, right? Why? Because he wants you to do something about it. So I learned this from my pastor. When somebody pops into your head or in your thoughts or in your spirit, you need to act on that immediately. When Pastor Bubba calls me, 99% of the time it's because God put me on his heart and he calls me. It don't matter what time. You follow me? Now, my wife is, is really good at this. And, and, and I, I'll, I'll just be open with you. Sometimes it's frustrating between the both of us. Okay. Because she'll go, this is kind of how it plays out. And I'm not downplaying anything. She'll go, baby, I think something, something's up with, with, with so-and-so and his wife. And I go, because I don't want to hear about problems. <laughs> All right? So I go, oh, fine. we were just cutting up and laughing. I was just on the phone with them the other day. She goes, no, I'm telling you, sweetheart, something's up. You need to pray. You need to call them and see how they're doing. Baby, baby, I'm telling you. Nothing wrong with them. You're creating something. Is that right? Isn't that the way it usually goes? And then I go to pray. And who's there? So-and-so. I'm going, God, what's the deal? Why can't you just tell me? Why you got to tell my wife first? And he probably goes, because I tried and you wasn't listening. And then I humble myself and I call him and most of the time she's right. And I go, She's got great spiritual discernment, and it's usually for the good. It's usually for care of people and to help people. Amen? So we need some spiritual discernment. We need to pray for other folks in the family. Because why? The body has to be healthy. If this body ain't healthy, it's hard to go out and reach an empty world. It's hard to go out and reach a lost world. Amen. It's hard to go out and sow seeds and and plow the the ground. It's hard to do that when your body's not healthy. Amen. God's heart is for his body. He wants his body to be healthy, to go out and reach the lost. Which brings us to point number four is to go get others. Gospel-centered community looks like going and getting others. It's what we're called to do in Matthew 28. Jesus talks about go and make disciples of all the nations. He was telling the the body. He said, you need to go out and you need to save some people. And then you need to disciple them. Right? That's what Jesus said. Go. He said to go. In Mark chapter 12, in your notes it says Matthew, but it's really Mark. Mark chapter 12, it says it's to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he's called us to do. But you can't do that if you're not healthy. Come on, somebody, if you don't, if your finances are unhealthy, can you financially go help somebody? No. If your emotions are unhealthy, can you emotionally go help somebody? No. If your marriage is on the rocks, can you go help somebody? No. You got to take care of your body. Amen. If the body's healthy, it can go and do. Right. We're called to be financial stewards so that we can go out and help other people so that we can use our money as a tool and not let it rule anymore. Amen? Our resources. I remember one time my neighbors were, 
I've been trying to reach some neighbors, reach out to them. And the first time you ever try to go reach out to somebody and the first time you kind of strike out and you end up saying something goofy or coming with a goofy approach, you know, it's kind of like you overthink it. You ever do that? I mean, we were doing these life groups in Jennings and, and I went down to my neighbor and they were kind of cool. You know, he was a bodybuilder and, and they were a little bit younger than us. You know, and I was kind of envious. You know, the guy had, the guy, he was short though. Short people rip up easy. <laughs> Tall people just takes a lot longer. Right. So, man, you know, he was a cool looking guy and I wanted to be his friend. And so I go down there and I got my little pamphlet. OK, this was goofy. And I go down there and I. Hey, man, how y'all doing? You want to come to a Bible study? And he was kind of like, uh, we'll talk about it, which usually means no. Right. And I was like, God, man, I blew it. So I went home, tail tucked between my legs. I mean, man, and I used to I used to walk early in the mornings in front of their house and I would pray for them and. And so one day, my wife needed some help in the house, and I'm in there mopping floors like real men do sometimes, and I'm mopping floors. Come on, ladies, that will, y'all missed that one. God, like real men do. I'm mopping floors, and I look out the window, and I see he was busting up some concrete in his backyard, and he had this dump trailer full, and he's trying to pull it with his wife's SUV. And like the SUV, the front wheels are almost off the ground. And the Holy Spirit said, go help him. Now, I was listening that time because I was looking for an opportunity to get out of mopping, right? Come on, somebody. I put that mop bucket down. I blasted out the door like a kid that his mama turned his back on him, and he just took off running. I jumped in, and I was test driving this new F1, F350, Super Crew, four-wheel drive, had a chip in it. And I was testing it out to buy it that weekend, and I was like, oh, Lord, this is twofold ministry right here. I get to try the truck and bless my neighbor. So I, I jump in my truck. I roll down there. And I say, hey, bro. I said, uh, you want me to pull that to the dump for you? He looked at me and he went, yeah. I said, cool. Unhook that thing, man. We'll hook on to this. And so we lived in Jennings. The dump was in Welsh. I hooked on to his trailer. And we, we burnt the tires at the stop sign. I mean, we, we tested the truck out, right? I mean, you got to. And that was all cool to him. You know, all of a sudden I became cool. I wasn't inviting him to a life group. I was pulling his junk to the garbage. And sometimes you just got to do that in life, right? You got to get involved with people and pull their junk to the landfill. And, and so we're doing all that and we're driving over there and we're building a relationship. And on the way back, he says, hey, man, stop at the store. I'll buy you something to drink. I was like, cool, bro. He said, what you want? Bud Light? Miller Light? I said, Gatorade Light. Just need a Gatorade, man. I'm good. And I didn't preach to him, and I didn't, I didn't come at him all religiously. I just built a relationship with him. But here's the thing. I was serving him. He tried to pay me. I was like, no, man, I don't want your money, man. I just wanted to test out the truck. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? It's, it's going out and it's serving people, and it's using the resources that you have to reach the lost. Everything that you have in your hand has been given to you by God to be used by God. You need to look at it as a tool and not a possession. You need to be a good steward of it. It's a tool. He wants you to use it. And don't worry about wearing it out. If you wear it out, God will give you another one. Amen? He's called us to go get others. But if we're not healthy, if this ain't healthy, it's hard to go and reach the lost, right? We need each other. The Bible says that. The Bible actually says that we belong to each other. 
when the church is healthy, we can reach more lost people, make more disciples, love our neighbors better, and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen? So Jesus, the head of the church or the head of the body, he's the one that tells us where to go. He's the one that tells us when to go, how to go, and what to go do. Your, your foot never looks at your head and says, go do this, right? Your hands never do anything that your brain doesn't tell it to do, right? So it is in the church that we need to be so submitted to Christ that we hear him say, go, when to go, how to go, and what to go do, and we go do it. Amen? He's the head of the church. So a gospel-centered community is full of one another's. Let me give you these real quick, and, and I'll write them. You may want to write them down, but you may not. You may have heard them already. But here's what one another's look like in a gospel-centered community. We love one another. We fellowship with one another. Outside of church, we forgive one another. We accept one another. However we are, we accept each other. We serve one another. We teach one another. We're patient with one another. I might have to say that one again. We're patient with one another. We bear one another's burdens. And sometimes people's burdens are like bears. We pray for one another. We submit to one another. We encourage one another. And we build one another up. You need the people in your life. You need the people of of God, the, the, the Christians. You need the other members of the body. You need them in your life. People that disconnect from community and don't let other people in, listen to me, this is going to hurt, are prideful people. Because what you're ultimately saying to everybody around you and even to the world is that I don't need nobody else. I got this on my own. I've been that way before. Full of pride. I got this. I don't need nobody. I'm good. The reality is, you're really not that good and you're really not doing that great of a job all by yourself you need some other folks so let me finish with this verse right here in john chapter 13 look at what it says so now i give you a new commandment love each other just as i have loved you you should love each other your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples Did you catch that? That however you love each other in the body of Christ says to the world that you belong to Jesus. Do the people around you really believe that you're a Christian? Do they just believe that you're just a person that goes to church? Do you have 12 people in your life that know you? People that can call you up, people that can pray for you, people that can help you, encourage you, build you up, serve you, people that you can turn around and serve. Do you have those people in your life? Listen, I don't want you to leave here today and stay disconnected, away from the family. I want you to plug in. What does that mean, Pastor, to plug in? That means you jump into a life group. That means you, you hang around church a little bit later and you get to know somebody. Maybe invite them to lunch. 
Maybe you invite somebody or give them your number. You exchange numbers. Say, hey, can we go drink coffee sometime? And you just go and start building a relationship with somebody in the church, in the body. And it's just as, as organic as it can be. You just, you just build a relationship. And you start to pray for one another. And you start to encourage one another. And you get to hear each other's stories. And when you do that, God changes your perspective about people. He changes how you see them. Amen? And you start realizing, man, you know what? Because this happens a lot. A lot of times people will, will somehow or another connect and they'll go, God, you know it was just a God thing that we connected? Because, man, I, I never knew we had that much in common. Because we need each other. Amen. Can you stand up with me this morning? So I'll pray for you. I want to leave you with this one thought. And it says that our love for one another glorifies God. It glorifies God. It brings glory to God. You are the picture. This church, this community is a picture to the world of who Jesus is. And how he acts and how he works. Amen. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your goodness towards us. Lord, I thank you for the spiritual family that you've put me in, Lord. I thank you that, Father, what I didn't have in natural family, you gave it to me in spiritual family. Lord, in my natural blood family, I didn't have encouragement. I didn't have anybody building me up. Nobody was patient with me, Lord. Nobody wanted to bear my burdens. Father, nobody wanted to serve me. Nobody wanted to help me. Nobody wanted to tell me the truth, Lord. But Father, you've given me all that and more in spiritual family. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that everything I was lacking was found in this spiritual family, in this gospel-centered community, Lord. Thank you for the church, the body of believers. Thank you that it's getting healthier and that in the time that we're in today, Lord, it needs to be healthy. It needs to be strong. It needs to have a mission. It needs to be intentional. It needs to be on purpose, Lord. It needs to be going forward and not just hesitating. So, Father, help us as a church. Help us to connect to one another, just like your word says, perfectly. Lord, you join us together perfectly. I pray that you begin to join relationships Join some folks together in this church, Lord. For those that are are disconnected, connect them, Lord. We thank you for that. We bless you for that. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name.